Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we get a look at Luke Cage Season 2, Boom Goes on the Road, The Justice League Has No Justice, and Venom Goes on a Mission. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. I'm David Luzader, and you are the listening audience, and I should probably unmute Nick uh, if he's going to participate in this episode. And this is the podcast where we talk about all the latest in comic book news and and reviews and all the tomfoolery that goes along with that. You, You muted me? Yes. I usually mute myself. Yeah, but I muted you myself for... Just the sweet freedom of being away from your voice. I didn't. I didn't know you had that kind of power, David. Oh, I do. There's many things well, you don't know about me, Nick. That that's apparently true, and I'm actually kind of unsettled. As you should be. Now, Nick, it's just the two of us here, right? Just here in the Heck Yeah I mean, Comics pad where we record. If there was a third person here, I do not recognize them as a human. Yikes! Um, just like a. A disembodied chuckle that you just can't get to go away. But he's here, so we might as well introduce uh, Modoc, otherwise known as Ben Scannell, to the show for this special episode. Modoc? I don't know. You kind of look like Modoc. How do I look like Modoc? Like Modoc. Uh, you're. You have a big head, and I have a big head. I didn't. I didn't know how to tell you, uh, Ben. That being said, um, why don't you tell us what you do when you're not being a giant head? And uh, well, we're off to a great you, start. I just want to say, yeah, we're off to a wonderfully great start, Ben. What is it about comic books that you like, and why do you torture me so? Um, I've been reading comic books for the majority of my life, in one, in some fashion or another. Um, longest running character throughout that whole uh business and um yeah i've just been a huge fan been reading lots of spider-man books uh a whole bunch of other marvel stuff a little bit of dc here and there would you Um, say that you're more of a marvel fan than a dc fan yeah um not that i don't dislike anything about dc it's just there's there's certain something about Marvel that I appreciate more so. Not that DC hasn't had their their uh, their great moments. There's there's a, I have a pretty decent sized collection of DC books that I dearly love. Mm-hmm. So cool. I'm not I'm not like a one trick pony, you know. Um, then my last question is, uh, how dare you? How dare I? What? I actually don't know what that's a reference to. I think it's a reference to something. I don't know. I, just like, I mean, that's like a common thing that at least I say to a lot of my friends. First but of all, first of all, how dare you? Is it? There's, there's some. How dare you? Yeah. There, some TV show or movie, someone gets up to ask a question, and their answer is, "Oh, oh my gosh, I was literally watching this show earlier. It's from The Office." Of course, um, it is. It was. It was. Yeah. It's when Ryan millions of he... Office fans listening were just like, "Nick, <laughs> how could he not get this?" No, it's well... literally. Kelly Kapoor says it to, to Ryan in the uh, in one of the episodes. Anyway, 
that's my office trivia for the day. David, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks you for having me. I'm happy to be you. here. <laughs> is this is this your podcast? I thought you just do all the technical work and, and make us look good. You're right, I Nick. Just ran, I thought you just ran the levels. You're, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's partially true. I don't. Yeah, Nick, it's it's your podcast. You're you're doing a bang up job keeping this ship afloat. Nick Nick guest starring David every week. Did you just say Nick? Yeah. No, Nick Nick guest starring. Oh. Or the, I mean, there is the Nick Yeah podcast, but I keep telling <laughs> What, do, pray tell Nick, what happens the on the Nick, Nick Yeah podcast. <laughs> that is what, um, like negative a thousand view, uh, followers? I mean, I think we're starting with like a negative a hundred. So anyway. But, yeah. Just like people pay, people pay Apple money to make sure that like they never have to listen to your podcast. I mean, I have. And that's how you get into the negative I, numbers. I, I think they're in Russia, so. I mean, I've got like a global reach, which is better than this podcast. Just saying. Wow. Why are you, you know, I can, not, I can just, end this show if you're just going to sit here and shit on it. I love this show. I'm just saying that the Nikki yeah podcast has one Russian viewer. Um, do we want to get into the news? I don't know if I do with you anymore. You heard me. <sighs> Fine. Well, apparently he has Russian ties. Well, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Do, do we really want to be associating with the... Uh... Yes. This kind of uh, potential foreign agent. It's too okay. late now. I guess we can just get into the news. It's too late. Worst episode. Nope, ever. that was the wrong, wrong file. I don't know. That, that, that's that was, the kind of that's the end of the show right there. All right, here we go. Our top story today. After a disappointing <laughs> summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. All right, we are getting into the beginning of con season, which of course means that news will be sparse for the next few weeks until there's just a whole bunch of it at once. But there is... Usually before the cons, and then they just reiterate the news at the cons. Yep, pretty much. No reason to actually go, unless you like people in costumes. Yep. Which some people do. Some people do. Or if you want to stand in Hall H, which sounds like the worst thing in the world. I, 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 people do it so clearly there's some kind of incentive or desire to do it. I cannot imagine standing in line, paying all this money to go to this convention, wanting to stand in line for most of the day just to get into one room. So that's just me. I was going to make, I was going to make a really distasteful your mother joke, but you know, I'm just, I'm not gonna. So our first, it's kind of equivalent to like any amusement park really. Cause it's like, you go there and you spend hours and hours waiting to get onto one ride. And then it's over in like three minutes. And then you're like, that was my day. Yay. There's a difference to going on a roller coaster versus, I mean, I guess for some people it's thrilling to be in Hall H and getting like, the ant-man trailer before anyone else but true uh, but yeah anyway uh david what we got for our first news news. uh well first coming up speaking of trailers luke cage season two is on the way and we get the first trailer for that season uh when is the the second debuting on june 22nd so this is actually this is actually a little early for uh like netflix show trailer they usually like all right uh here's a trailer and we'll see you in two weeks with the whole season anyway this season gives us a look at bushmaster and just kind of a general feel for season two uh what do you did you guys watch the first season were you fans nick i know you haven't why am i asking i i 
I did watch season one of Luke Cage. Oh. I am I'm all the way up to the end of Defenders. I haven't watched Punisher or Jessica Jones. I've watched everything. I've seen and I've pretty much watched everything as soon as it drops. I've just been like eating it up as quickly as possible. There has been some that I've been like man on Iron Fist mainly that I had gripes about. Um, <clears throat> I'm definitely excited for Luke Cage season two. I liked the first season. Um, it definitely did things with the character that um, I liked, and I thought that it it spoke a pretty good message. Uh, and yeah, I definitely want Nick to finish watching that. I I I did. I I already said that I finished watching. Well, finished watching Defenders. I I finished that too. I thought you uh, said you just you didn't. I said I got to the end of Defenders. That's yeah. where I left. Uh, David, what did you think of Luke Cage? I thought the first season was fine, but it was too many episodes. And this has kind of been my gripe with the Netflix shows, and I've talked about it on here. That they could, that, I mean, Luke Cage could have been half the number of episodes and felt a much better pace. Uh, mm. Probably would have a much more satisfactory show. Uh, I think you could have taken a few episodes off of Jessica Jones season one. I haven't watched Jessica Jones season two. Uh, you could have completely rewritten Iron Fist, in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The Dare- Daredevil, I think, has kind of been the exception. The first season, especially, really kind of used those 13 episodes. The second season, I thought, did a pretty good job as well. Uh, I haven't watched Jessica. Anyway, all this to talk about Luke Cage. Um, I'm I'm optimistic that this can be a more well-paced season. Uh, it looks like there's going to be plenty of action, uh, so that'll be cool. It's just it seems like, I don't know, maybe like, I'm, I'm more interested in the parts of like him dealing with being famous in Harlem mm. more than like, here's people shooting at him. When they know right. it's not going to work. Right, which was, there was a line in the trailer where one of the guys, he, he comes <laughs> in with a bunch of gangsters or whatever, and they're just, he's like, really, guys? And I'm like, you got to know that we tried. And then they, <laughs> he still like fights them, you know, and wins. Um, yeah, they're yeah, determined. That, I mean, you got you to put it your all into it. Also, I, I was trying to Google what Bushmaster looked like in the comics, so I just Googled, of course, Bushmaster. Why would you, what, did, turns, did it come up with, uh, a really great movie from the nineties. I think it was called Bushmaster. <laughs> Beastmaster? No, not Beastmaster. Beastmaster is also like from the sixties. Oh, well, either way, oh, yeah, Bushmaster no. apparently is a high powered rifle. So in case you were wondering, um, <laughs> with Luke Cage, uh, Oh, he's a snake. dude. I guess Luke Cage has got like a snake motif going on. I was uh, going to say, like, did Marvel that. make, like, a character, uh, an anthropomorphized uh, rifle? I'm just saying. So it's, it's, he's, he's, <laughs> fighting, he's fighting Megatron? <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show while we're on the same uh, that, that actually, that's what I want from Luke Cage Season 2. I don't Hell think yeah. Get it. For me, Luke Cage Season 2 had some interesting moments, but, like, like I agree with you that uh, some of these shows really aren't capitalizing on their 13 episodes. They really could have done a lot more with less um one of the best standout characters from luke cage season two was cotton mouth and kind of like what they they did you mean season one later did with um uh what's her name and uh defenders um sigourney weaver lady stiltman where they they, the what lady Lady stiltman Stiltman. yeah Uh, (laughs) is um 
you know, they, they made it like this big twist where like you think this person's the main villain and then they kill them off. Spoiler alert. You know, they do that with Cottonmouth and he was so fantastic that what you what you realize after he's gone is that they really left you with like the worst villains on the show. Like Mariah, she's kind of interesting, but and the actress does a really good job, but I'm really not feeling her character. And then Shades. I, any guy that thinks it's cool that uh, he still his, wears sunglasses. Hispanic Barry Allen. Hispanic Barry Allen was the best. The thing for me was like with Defenders, like Sigourney Weaver was like, I'm a huge fan of Sigourney Weaver. So that was like bonus points just for me. But then like they have her like skulking about being like vague and mysterious and sneaky. And then she just gets like, uh, like spoilers. She just gets like Trump by, by Electra. Just, just, just shanked. And it's like, that, that was it. What? Right, and that's, and and that's like what they I'm made, saying. They made they built her up to be like this crazy huge villain, and then like nothing happened. That's she didn't they, do anything. They, they went for the shock value, and that's the thing with Kamala. Kamala did a little bit, and the actor like Superman Reaver like really put a lot into the role, mm-hmm. and I can see why they wanted to do that narratively speaking. But at the end, like who we got left with, like if you're gonna take something that good off the field, you want to put something equally good, if not better, in its place. And Mariah Shades and Luke Cage's brother, whose name I'm blanking on, um, Diamondback. God, it was so. Was it Diamond, it, it was, was what's his bucket. So so dumb. Dumb. Yeah, like he he had had an interesting premise with the way that like he was like preaching gospel, but he was actually doing it um, sardonically. <laughs> was interesting, but the, like compared to Cottonmouth, like no one really lived up to him. So with Bushmaster, it's going to be hard to say until like we get into the the, the new season, like. How effective of a character he's going to be but we also have to deal with the return of mariah and shades and i'm just like not interested in that yeah. uh, but mike coulter's really cool and it'll be interesting to see like you're like you're saying david how he goes from like he's really famous right now he's the talk of the town and clearly this is a season that's gonna like empire strikes strikes back him where he kind of gets knocked down a peg and has to figure out a way to regain his glory yeah for sure well, I'm sure we will talk about it on this show in about a year when Nick actually watches it. I mean, we'll probably s- talk about it even before I ever get to it, to be fair. Mm. On a sort of related note, um, I don't remember if I read this correctly, but is the Netflix MCU tied to the cinematic MCU? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do we know if there's any sort of plans for like if there's going to be any sort of crossover between nope. the, the silver screen characters with the Netflix characters? No, no, no. The, the the quick hit on that is basically there's a lot of different reasons. One that they basically really are operating as two different studios, um, and it's one thing yeah. when you're dealing with like the director or two of other films, uh, but when you're dealing with like the showrunners of say four different TV shows. Uh, and the schedules, all the actors, and the fact that a TV schedule is more aggressive than a movie schedule, it's it's a what? it's a scheduling nightmare just to get them all in for what really would have amounted to, in the case of like Infinity War, a, a glorified cameo. Like we probably would have seen them for half a second before getting back to the main story to be told. So there yeah. really isn't a big enough reason to draw them in other than fan yeah. service. And I as cool as it would be to see them, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think Kevin Kevin Feige said a while ago. <laughs> The reason for it is like movies get planned out year and years in advance and have years of production cycle and stuff like that. And TV shows kind of just uh, like their production is much shorter. They kind of get planned out and everything happens within like a year where, you know, whatever uh, 
Spider-Man three is already like in scripting stages at this point. Uh, and you know, the, the first movie has just been out. So it's just the production cycles are so very, they kind of like what Nick said, but yeah, it's just, it's, they're never going to be able to line up and you know, all you'll kind of get is the, I guess with the agents of shield, you'll get the occasional nod, but you'll notice that nobody besides Nick Fury is ever going to show up. Right. And even then, I think he hasn't shown up past like season one. He was in season two, I think. Past season two. No, no, no. I think you're right. What about uh, what about like Netflix characters getting their own movies? Uh, Do you think they might make a jump to that? No. No, If they if they do, I think that at that point the original Netflix deal might run out, uh, and then the characters would probably be recasted if they're going to bring them to the movie screen or it would be whatever the next iteration of the Marvel cinematic universe looks like, but definitely not anytime soon. I mean, if they're, if they're getting what are essentially quote unquote 13 hour movies right now, I don't really see a point in like taking them to the big screen into a two hour movie. Yeah. But if anything, they could do like a cameo sort of thing that, and that's where the, why, why put in all the scheduling efforts just to have them show up for half a second in a Mm. a movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, True, but they did that with uh, like Thor Ragnarok. You had Doctor Strange show up for like five seconds. But he's in the movie, so that's it's it's a little different because in terms of Benedict Cumberbatch's schedule, it's baked into his contract. Like right. they probably knew way ahead of time that he was going to show up in Thor Ragnarok. Versus if they were the okay. Doctor Strange TV show, it's yeah, well, what's, it's big. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of levels and there's a lot of steps to it. And you say like you know like they plan this stuff years in advance. So what's to say that maybe they have planned this sort of thing years years in advance? Who knows? Anyways, yeah. Um, I guess we'll next topic. To, uh, I know. Uh, next topic is uh, Batman the animated series is going to return. <gasps> Wait, what? As this a board game. News. Ooh, ooh. Oh, well, Ben, you, you <laughs> as, got as you a board game. Too quick. <laughs> it's returning as a board game. Oh, yeah. Now he's less excited. Yeah, um, but it's much less excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm I know somebody it. who will be excited. Uh, uh, I think it, 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 his, his last name rhymes with light purple. Oh yeah, no, he'll uh, light purple <laughs> will be excited. But I think Dave <laughs> is also going to be excited. Yeah, I'm a board stuff. game nerd. Oh okay, yeah. I did not know this. It's uh, Batman the Animated Series Gotham Under Siege. It's going to be the first in a series of tabletop games based on the legendary cartoon franchise. It was designed hmm. by Richard. Lanius and Michael Guglielmo. Uh, it will allow it will allow one to five players to use dice allocation and threat management to be a Gotham hero fighting crime in Gotham City. It will feature all new artwork, character miniatures, three D city buildings, and other board game elements. It actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we don't really we're not going to know much about it until June, and then it comes out in August. Uh, but I'm pretty excited about it. It'll probably be like fifty dollars, and I'll be like, that's too expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and probably seemed, not buy it because that's what I do like with board games. It's been like a, a a resurgence of like collectible stuff in uh, relation to the animated series. Like they have all they have like a whole new action figure series, and they've they've come out with like vehicles and stuff. Like they have the jet and the the Batmobile, and both of those cost like four hundred dollars. Fit the action figures that come with the series, and they like light up and everything. It's crazy. That is pretty cool. That's pretty uh, Yeah, I, I think there has been like a, a, there's definitely been a lot of focus on Batman the Animated Series lately. I, I, isn't it coming up or a, a, an anniversary for it just came up like the, 
20th or yeah yeah i think something like that that happened yeah recently yeah so make make sense plus everyone that was watching it as a kid is now a uh, money spending adult so that's dude so uh there's this documentary series on netflix um which is called the uh the uh toys that made us and they talk about he-man and how he-man they've had a really hard time finding like a new audience for he-man uh, but what they've done instead is they have taken like the adults who have money and they just make really collectible stuff for them. Like kids are not going to be buying new action figures based on He-Man because they can't do a good He-Man show anymore. For, it was like, you know, lightning's not going to strike twice. But people who can spend $300 on these rad figures are going to do it. And that's kind of where this property has found life. Interesting. Yeah. That was pretty. I was I was at a Newberry Comics earlier, and they have like the He-Man Funko Pop, and I was very very tempted to buy it. Yeah, because you you have a lot of connection to He-Man. Um, I remember as a child having like these old, and I think they were mostly silent, but they were like He-Man. Actually, now I think about, it, I think they were like He-Man educational videos. <laughs> and it was it was really weird, but and because I know like the original He-Man series, like there was there was talking. And these definitely weren't it, but it was very much He-Man. And it was weird, but I love them. Um, so I didn't watch that much of the original show. I also watched the uh, Cartoon Network um, re- remake or whatever you want to call it uh, mm-hmm. of the series. And I watched a bunch of that and really enjoyed it uh, as a kid. So I would say I have an affinity for He-Man, even though like I probably couldn't give two shits about him now. Um, I like how ridiculous of a concept he is. Uh, it's just uh, one of those things that really sticks though, in the, like the popular pop culture lexicon. Though Netflix is doing a, I think Shira, I think that was his like sister or whatever. Uh, they're doing a Shira TV show. I'm pretty sure. I think I did hear that. Or too. it's, or be, it's uh, Amazon. I think it's Amazon. Oh no, it's it's Netflix. Sorry, Amazon has Animaniacs. Amazon's doing an Animaniac show. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty dope. Uh, Animax is probably one of the first comic series I collected as a kid. Nice. All right. Also in the news, Boom Studios is on a Discover Your Comic Store tour, and they are, well, they're currently running it right now with uh, Maryland, Delaware, and Philly, Delaware. Uh, And they will be announcing more dates in June, July, and August. So it is being uh, it is being headed up by Morgan Perry, who will be going around to engage with customers and talk face to face with st- store staff to better I- both identify the opportunities and challenges facing the comic shops in 2018, and will work a four hour shift at each store selling comics to customers. So I feel bad for her because she's going to get a lot of comic douchebag uh, harassment, but I think this is a super cool idea that. Uh, for boom studios to do it's really personal and also it's a great way to be like hey why don't we find out what problems are happening in stores by going to stores right it it does seem like there's a huge disconnect and this coming from someone that is even more disconnected from it but that that's a lot of times publishers do things and the, the the retailers take the the brunt of their good and bad decisions yeah um but there's just not a, a ton of data that seems to be collected from the stores other than whatever kind of publisher to retailer relationships they might have because i mean i feel like for a lot of retailers they probably get tired of from marvel ordering x number of copies of one book in order to get like two variants of another book um, that they're never going to sell. But not necessarily the variants, but for the books that they have to over-order in order to compensate. 
Yeah. Um, to me, I, if I was a retailer, I'd be like, no, screw that noise. But it doesn't seem like Marvel really listens. So, yeah, great idea on Boob's part. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm curious to see what else in the country they're going to go. I mean, there's only like 15 comic shops left in the entirety of North America. So, right. you know, things are a little bit limited. Uh, but I would like to see this. You know, we, we, they all have like the, the retailer breakfasts at cons. And those have just been going really sour lately, from my understanding. It yes, ends at least for Marvel. It seems yeah, like. especially for Marvel, they just end up getting yelled at by old guys. And uh, yeah, I I think they need to actually get into the shop, get into the nitty gritty. Yeah, it sounds like uh, they're not having a good time. No, well, no. I mean businesses. I think I was reading a report that sales for April were um, other than whatever book came out, big book came out that month, the uh, rest of the sales were flat. Was it maybe a so, little something called Action Comics 1000? Oh, yeah, Action Comics 1000 came out last month. Who knew? Small indie book. No one really cares about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, sales overall, it seems like, in the comic book industry have – I mean, we can't speak for digital sales, but I can't imagine they're so, so much extra profitable that even though, like, more – I mean, at the end of the day – you know, retailers don't really give a crap about the digital sales insofar as they affect yeah. retailer sales. But no, they the remaining retailers definitely need a lot of love and um, they're probably not quite getting it. Yeah. Know? If people are curious, Action Comics 1000 estimated units uh, was 449,787, which is cool, but that's still a pretty small number compared to how it was back in the day. And for like action comics, 1000 to be less than half a million rough. Right. And I think at the end of what, what's really sad state of the whole affairs and is we've got these movies that are making billions. I mean, the, I mean, Marvel obviously is a cash cow for, for Disney in mm-hmm. terms of their movie productions and the profit they make back from that. And it's not translating. Like people are going to see the movies, but they can't. They don't really give two shits about the uh, the comic books that they're based on. So yeah. there's a way to really take that. I mean, I'm not expecting billions from from comic books, but it's such a, an underappreciated storytelling medium. Not even just the superhero side, but you've got Image, Dark Horse, Boom, all of them. You know that that's if your people are really looking for such powerful narratives, they can find it in comic books. And there's definitely. I feel like maybe if they put more effort in, like, just imagine, like, some kind of trailer. I don't know what it would look like, but before some of these Marvel movies, kind of talking about comics and the influence comics have had on these movies and or some in some, like, poppy, fresh way to get people interested, that could, you know, but they're not. They're not doing that. Right. They're like, hey, are you enjoying these movies you're seeing every couple of months? You can get more of Captain America or Black Panther now by going to this website that'll tell you where a comic shop is. Even right. just that be like, would, that would be even, pretty cool. Yeah. Have like, have like the the creative team like come out and do like a whole bit where it's like, oh hey, like we wrote this story and like this is going on in this and this is going on in that and like go here, click here and like do this. If it was like a, if it was like a special showing, I think it's a cool idea. But you have to also think that for most people, like there was that whole Frozen debacle where in front of no. uh, Coco or something it was like. People got upset that the, they were playing like a Frozen short in, before the no, movie. No, no. The reason yeah, they, the reason they got different. upset is because that was half an hour long. This yeah. what, this, that's what I mean. You're, and I'm saying that, that obviously what Ben suggests is a half hour long, but people want to get people are already annoyed with the previews to get to the movie. So I think whatever it is that they show needs to be quick and informative. Well, this what is are you talking about. I love the previews. I mean, I like the previews too, but 
I also want to watch the movie. This is why Alamo Draft House is the best. Why? Because you get like two or three previews and then it's movie time. Fair enough. Uh, and, uh, oh, uh, let's see. Quick hits. Uh, we don't have a lot going on this one, but we can announce that there will be we, a Lego We are allowed Aquaman. to announce. We are allowed to. We've been given special permission by the uh, Lego Aquaman Association of America um, that there will be a Lego Aquaman animated feature called Ooh, Atlantis. Which is funny because, like, I mean, we've been getting a glutton of Batman or Lego Batman animated features, uh, both in theater and uh, direct to DVD. So it's just funny that instead of going to like Wonder Woman or or Superman, the, the next thought was, let's do Aquaman. Yeah, it's I mean, it's Aquaman in the Justice League, and uh, he's fighting. Um, I can never remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, Ocean Master. No, it's it's the Red Lantern dude. Uh, really atrocitus atrocitus yeah and the red lanterns are the bad guys and uh it you know i watched the trailer a little bit of the trailer i'm not, I'm not gonna say i watched the whole thing uh but it seems like a really fun kids movie it does not seem yeah. like uh, as an adult i would enjoy it as much but i'm you know it's the lego property which are typically pretty popular with kids so right I think it's interesting that it's an Aquaman feature, and it looks like Green Green Lantern's in it. Um, but the fact that his nemesis will be Atrocitus for mm-hmm. an Aquaman movie, like you just think he's the, the star character, and they don't pick any of his characters. That's uh, that's int- also it looks like the Green Lantern is going to be Jessica Cruz, which is also interesting. It is Jessica Cruz, yes. So yeah, wait, it's, it's an cool it's an Marvel. Aquaman movie, but it features Green Lantern and Atrocitus. Uh-huh. So it's it sounds like Green Lantern and Atrocitus were having their own movie, but then Aquaman was there and they felt bad, so they made the movie about him instead. Well, it's about him taking over Atlantis. But uh, Atrocitus taking over. Yeah, Atrocitus taking over Atlantis. And of course, it wouldn't be an Aquaman movie without an appearance by Batman and Superman. So, I'm really curious as to why Atrocitus would want to take over Atlantis. Why wouldn't you uh, want well, to take over? You can over watch. It? You can watch the movie, which is coming I'll have out. To, I'm going to watch uh, that movie, July 31st. Back. Just a you know great beachfront property, I guess. It's true. <laughs> so, uh, and our last bit. This is really cool, um, but it was announced that Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman one, also did she win the Academy Award for Monsters Ball or Monster? Was which one was it? It Monster was Monster. Ball? Monsters Ball is the Halle Berry one that Halle Berry won for. I oh, don't okay. know so if Patty us. Jenkins won. Uh, I, I'm trying to Google it right now, uh, okay. and I'm vamping as I'm talking. I know that Charlize Theron got the Academy one. Award. Right, right, right. So, I mean, at the very least, it was an award. It won numerous award, awards, including the Academy Award for movie. Best Actress, Golden Globe for Best Actress, Screen Actress Guild for Outstanding Lead Actress, and, uh, yeah, it looks like it didn't get – she didn't win for directing. All right, well, she directed Charlize Theron, so good enough. Um uh, it was announced that Patty Jenkins' salary for Wonder Woman 2 has more than tripled. Um, which from is that fantastic. of Wonder Woman 1, I'm assuming? From from Wonder, from her salary on Wonder Woman 1, which I I don't know the exact number that she got paid uh, on Wonder Woman 1. I mean, if yeah. I mean, it says that she'll bring home a staggering $9 million for directing Wonder Woman 2, which makes her the highest paid woman director of all time. Heck yeah. As she What's should the, be. Go her. Which, like, no, it's fantastic. What's the comparative male... 
director salary on someone with i mean because like even if you take gender out of it like in terms of in terms of working on these big blockbusters that can afford to pay their directors a lot of money like you know she's she's just now broken through to it so i'm sure she's probably still being paid less than comparable male co-stars but i'm wondering how big that disparity is for a male director that's in the same position. So it looks like uh, uh, Nolan is being paid 20. So this was for Dunkirk. Christopher Nolan was paid 20 million upfront plus 20% on the gross of Dunkirk, which is uh, this pretty impressive deal. 20% on the gross. Jeez. Uh, right. the director. I, I mean, this, yeah. yeah. So Peter Jackson got 20 million for King Kong back in 2005. Holy so crap. Still. <laughs> The highest paid male directors are still making over twice as much as Patty Jenkins is making on this one right. movie. That's nuts. Right. What kind of what kind of what kind of money did those movies make compared to Wonder Woman? Uh, uh I'm not sure. I'm and, and just probably didn't make as much as Wonder Woman, I imagine. Uh, now, just to say that, uh, according to sources, the average director fee for a studio movie in 2016 is in the 750000 to $1.5 million range. So these people getting paid that much is an anomaly. Even like Patty right. Jenkins getting $9 million is, is a lot for a director. Um, right. That, that's just, and to be fair, the, 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 the two examples you gave, like those are also, you know, taking the fact that they're male out of it, they're also, at that, by the point they did those movies, they were well-established, successful directors that yeah. can bring in big bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's you know it is, it is still a it is still a stride a good stride. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, all, all the power to Patty Jenkins. You know, looking forward to Wonder Woman two. Uh, I yeah. hope Wonder Woman has a mohawk and is like super grungy with like a cut off sleeve, uh, leather jacket and spikes. Basically, I want her to be Wonder Woman, but Storm from the eighties X Men comics. <laughs> um, I'm super into that. So. I kind of want that too, but then I also just want Storm with a mohawk and like biker gear did wait she didn't i think she, she did, did in she apocalypse. Did mohawk and apocalypse right yeah but that movie sucked yeah just like days of i didn't see it well why don't we just go ahead and get into our reviews while i ignore nick's comments to the batmobile let's go all right since we have a guest this week we all read the same two books instead of trying to figure out that debacle the first book that we'll talk about will be Justice League No Justice. I imagine that's how you're supposed to say it. Justice League No Justice. Uh, uh, yeah, you have to put some really good inflection into it. I mean, it so is... David, you... Yeah, hmm? go ahead. No, what? Oh, I was just going to say, David, you, you are a, a big fan of, uh, of the, the Dark Knight Metal event, which preceded this No Justice no um, event so why don't you kind of start us off and give us some ideas of how you felt about it all right well justice league no justice number one uh let's see i just want to get make sure i have the correct attributions so it is written by scott snyder james t tinney in the fourth and josh williamson with art by francis manipool oh the sweet sweet manipool art uh mm-hmm. This book starts off with, well, it starts off with the Green Lanterns. They are uh, investigating the, what was it, the Source Wall is what it's called. Yeah. And the Source Wall was breached at the end of Metal, and it's like, big things are coming. And in this issue, we find out what big things are coming. Uh, Brainiac attacks the Earth and defeats all the Earth's fighting teams and then kidnaps them. 
Uh, and when they all awaken, he reveals that, hey, guys, I wanted to show you that I could beat you so that you understand you have to listen to me on this mission. And uh, and I'm super smart and I'm brainiac and we're going to save the universe from the, from mystery, wonder, wisdom and entropy. All right, guys, we're going to get to this planet. And uh, cool. There's wisdom. So here's my step-by-step -step plan that will not fail and cannot be defeated. Oh no, I'm Brainiac. My brain has exploded. And that's more or less the first issue. Uh, that, that's, that's what they call a recap. Yep. I mean, there's also some Amanda Waller bullcrap, but uh, in general, I really liked this issue. It's, I mean, I liked the metal event. I like where this is kind of taking things. It's compared to metal. It's subdued at the moment, uh, but it still was a, was a fun issue and interesting. And, you know, I like when you play with dynamics and character interactions, you know, you have the Martian Manhunter having a conversation with Lex Luthor. Uh, you have a team that's going to fight these entities featuring Starro, which God, God bless him for bringing Starro into this mix. Uh, I mean, as far as setup goes, it feels kind of a little typical of like, here's this thing we have to face. And then, oh no, big twist at the end of like the, the, the thwart our plans early on. And now Batman's going to have to save us. Because uh, it's, you know, it's a DC book. But what did you guys think? Justice League, no justice. No justice. No justice. Um... I thought so compared to metal, which I think everyone here knows my feelings on. You loved on every Jessica second metal, of it, every panel. I disliked most of it. Um, this is definitely another one of those. In terms of like metal, is that the event where it's it's the it's everything in the kitchen sink into it? And this is another example of that where like it can't just be the heroes fighting this cosmic calamity. It's the heroes and the villains are forced to unite. In order to tackle it, which is a you know a tried and true. Which, is Etrigan that... is Etrigan a villain? No, he gets roped into. I mean, he's I guess he's an anti-hero type because he's a demon, but he's technically more. He's generally more noble um, in that regard. It was kind of an interesting mix-up of uh, villains. You've got Lex Luthor, uh, Lobo, who's been operating as a hero lately in Justice League of America, Sinestro, uh, Deathstroke, Etrigan, and Starro. Has Starro always sounded like a bro? Uh, he did in metal. He did in metal, but I don't think he's generally been that sort of like, ah, ha, ha, I'm, I'm a dick. I'm a, yeah, just kind of obnoxious, but I mean, whatever. It's an interesting take on the character. Um, this event, and I honestly like, cause I, here's what kind of influenced me while I was reading. Cause I know what's coming after no justice. And it's that uh, Scott Steiner will be taking over the justice league comic and his cast for the justice league comic mirrors the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, or the, the main yeah. Justice League cartoon. From back in uh, the day. In terms of, you know, with Hawk Girl, John Stewart, Green Lantern, uh, and with the add-ons of a full-time Aquaman and Cyborg on the team. Anyway, so knowing that, like, he's definitely been inspired by that animated series, which was a great series, uh, I kind of went into this, like, as I'm reading it, and with Francis Manipool's great art, just feeling like, hey, this is kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, maybe... You know, Snyder isn't on point with, like, the current continuities of all the characters. I don't think he did that poorly. Um, you know, maybe the all, not all the voices sound right. Like, I've never really been a fan of his Damien. Um, and which I, what I, at the same time, I respect it because I know he made a point not to write Damien that much in his original Batman series because he felt uncomfortable writing Damien. But yeah, even, even, even in this issue, I was like, that doesn't feel super Damien. 
Right. He he based most people when they write Damien, they just go straight to him being an obnoxious dick, which is not wrong, but there's definitely a certain nuance to it that like clearly, you know, Grant Morrison, the creator of Damien or co-creator of Damien, you know, knows how to hit. Uh, Peter Tomasi also did a really good job. Uh, so did, so did Christopher Priest. Christopher Priest did a great Damien in, in his Deathstroke run. Was Damien in, or oh, yeah. in the, current, the current arc or in one of the earlier arcs? Uh, in the one that what started off with the latest. The latest one. arc? Okay. Yeah. I, I read the first issue, but I haven't gotten too far into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, Damien's a, a tough character to crack. Um, but as a, as a first issue as a whole, it was even though some of it might seem ham-fisted, like Brainiac, even though he's a he's a pretty big DC villain coming in and wiping the floor of the characters within two seconds, you know, or in this case, like, two pages, you know, is always just like, oh, okay, we get it. Um, but in terms of the ideas of trying to execute behind this, I thought it was really interesting. Um, at the end of the day, though, I had to say it, like, this is the, the Justice League versus Marvel's Celestials, um so that kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of it it's also just funny that literally at the same time this is coming out and i'm sure this is more serendipity than anything that the um that marvel is doing a celestial focused story in avengers um so yeah it's uh it's a thing it's a thing uh ben you got a chance to read it right yeah um i was kind of lost as far as like catching up as far as to who's been up to what um but it seemed pretty good uh i like i love the art uh i love the style uh francis um, manipool so good so good uh i love the ink work too the ink work was so nice and then uh honestly like the 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 plot and like the the little interactions you have all between all the heroes and the villains it it honestly reminded me of quite a lot of the um the end of justice league unlimited that uh the the animated series how there was that huge you know galactic problem and blah 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 and it wasn't you know it wasn't uh the dc equivalent of a celestial in the show but still you had all these heroes and villains teaming up uh all over the globe and like working together to like save the planet because they're like hey wait like if the if the universe explodes then like well we can't really like do all this song and dance so let's uh work together and now that's happening again and i i always really like seeing those sorts of stories i love that yeah i think the uh it's cool the way that they're setting up some of the the ways that characters are going to interact uh you know within this new continuity uh martian manhunter has been pretty low-key and this, you know, has him kind of thrust into the into the limelight a little bit. You know, uh, Zantana, who doesn't really work on teams unless it's Justice League Dark, which I guess isn't a thing right now. Uh, I like that the three teams are the Justice League, the Titans, the Teen Titans, and Suicide Squad. And I mean, they are the. Are there any other teams currently operating in the current publishing line? No, not really. I, well, did we uh, the Immortal Men? Um, no. Did we see any other members of the Suicide Squad aside from Harley Quinn? Uh, we see them in the the opening um, when they're being attacked by Brainiac, but it looks like Harley Quinn's the only one that gets picked up. I mean, I I really none of the rest were popular enough. <laughs> I mean, Harley Harley Quinn did at one point have like four different books going. Uh, she did. 
though you know i did enjoy harley quinn and uh what's his butt interacting uh beast boy i mean beast boy was that was beast fun was beast boy actually had I, I would say he had a fairly minor role but he definitely spoke up a bunch especially towards the end of the <laughs> issue i got the vibe that he <laughs> might play more of an emotional focal point yeah and i love i'm team issue. i'm team batman not now gar no that was hmm. perfect where he had but he actually yeah. transformed he was turning into a bat, bat. yeah <laughs> And that's what I'm saying. Like, there's been some really good character interactions. And I think part of that is that you have three different people who probably have three different levels of familiarity with these characters and are able to probably, you know, they're able to tune that voice a little bit rather than just having one person trying to filter all these different voices and really going to come up short. They're all going to, a lot of them are just going to sound the same by the end of the issue. Yeah. No, that, I, so one thing I thought was weird, uh, I don't necessarily know if it's a bad weird, uh, th- though there's something about, and this kind of solidified like the, the animated series vibe for me, that's the page where Lex Luthor and, and Martian Manhunter speak, and the first panel is Brainiac ship like zooming through space. The 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 blur effects that they use to like indicate that it's 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 speeding it's along. Yeah. I, I thought like, I don't think they were the best use of, of it. Like it, it's actually not that great of a panel. But it screams like nineteen late nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, um, like animated series, like old school, like He Man yeah. or whatever it is we were talking about before. Which is funny. But anyway, uh, I was, which is funny because if you if you if you're, if you're looking for an artist who can draw motion really well, it's Francis Manipool. Uh, I mean, look at his art on his Flash run is just phenomenal. But continue. Right, right, and then you get this panel where it, it's yeah. Anyway. Um, do Lex Luthor and Marshmallow have have had any kind of like really significant relationship in the past? Like they they talked like, "Hey, old chum." I mean, not really like that, but there was definitely a vibe of, of real familiarity there. Like, if to me, it's like Lex Luthor. I'm sure was aware of Martian Manhunter in terms of like by reputation, but the way that he talked to him was very familiar, and mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of strange. But I don't know if maybe you knew anything about a prior relationship between them. Not really. And why can't he read his mind? I'm assuming sure this has some kind of anti-mind suit. reading technology. Yeah, Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is pretty much the evil Batman. He's basically just rich enough and smart enough to not have to worry about that. More yeah. or less. Um, well said. And John, if you try to read my mind again, I will burn you alive. Which is a man. That's a creepy thing to say to him. <laughs> yeah, but but so I, very Lex Luthor. Yep. Right. I, li- I like that Lex. Oh, I like that Lex is a villain again. I was just gonna say that. So, so not necessarily. They, uh, I think even Martian Manhunter. Yeah, he says when I left, you were still a wanted villain. Oh, right. Now I hear you're, you've been playing at hero. So I think I don't know where. I think there was some more developments on Lex as a hero in the end of Danger Against Action Comics run, um, but I think he's still kind of in that. Like they're not throwing the the bathroom sink out with it. No, he's, but he's he's very highly regarded suspiciously, and he was up to some no good stuff in uh, New Superman. So, oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, he might still kind of be a little bit favored in the public eye, but I, he's not on Justice League anymore, obviously. Well, except for right. No Justice. No Justice. No Justice. Um, but yeah, what do you so what do you think about the the entropy wonder mystery other one that I'm forgetting? Uh, it's a high concept idea, and that is either going to be really cool or kind of fall on its face. 
It sounds like they're trying to lead up to their own version of the Infinity Stones because, like, Marvel's version of, like, what was it? Death, Entropy. Uh, I just watched this. It was all about, like, the the beginning of the Marvel Universe and, like, the the cosmic energies of the universe that created the stones. Oh, the the cosmic abstracts, like Eternity and Living Tribunal. Yeah, yeah, that that was it. That was it. So, like, seeing these same sorts of characters showing up in DC, it's like, DC, what's going on here? Um, like yeah. you, 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 uh, sneaking a peek over at Marvel's, uh, Marvel's test here. Nah, I think this is just, uh, this seems pretty par for the course of Grant Morrison. Not, uh, it would be perfectly par for the course of Grant Morrison. Scott Snyder kind of doing, uh, you know, he, he does kind of like to work in abstracts. You know, he, the whole series of witches is about the idea of witches, okay. and, you know, I definitely dig the whole, I love that whole idea of just like having, these these sorts of like abstract constructs like as cosmic beings like i dig that i think and, that's really cool and i love that right. they, and, that they're in stories like the stories of different cultures across the universe yeah that that was cool when like um martian manhunter said like oh this it's is a child this, story we had this we had this story on my planet it was called the four mothers um, i thought it was so the four brothers some, so there's so the the story that Brainiac was telling was the four brothers, and then Martian Manhunter says on my planet it was called the four mothers. All right. Yeah. So there's so I mean that's something where like even the story that you know you have Brainiac is or in any character as an unreliable narrative or narrator. Um, so there's more to these four brothers, mothers, whoever brother mothers, bro mothers, brom anyway. Um, that meets the eye that maybe we'll learn more about, and certainly. As much as I, it's hard to ignore a Marvel comparison with the Celestials. Marvel did not corner the market on giant celestial, you know, magnificent beings that want to eat planets. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for no justice, like after the fact that I really didn't like Dark Knight's metal, this it kind of warmed me up to the to the potential of the Scott Snyder Justice League. So I I'm, I will be reading the next three issues on yes. this, and I'll be very curious to see if it sticks to landing and if that's going to be enough to drive me into the next Justice League book. Please, Nick. It's No Justice. No, sorry, No Justice. No Justice. All right, well, why don't we spend some time then talking about a book over at Marvel, and that is Venom number one out this week. Uh, ben, what happened in Venom number one? What's going on there? Uh, So the symbiote is with Eddie Brock. And Again. They- don't seem to be having a very good time. Um, Eddie's been feeling kind of sick, and the symbiote is kind of freaking out. Um, and uh, basically, he's 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 taking he's taking he's popping pills to try and drown out the symbiote, which really just isn't very good. Um, and uh, I mean, do it. Do you want me to run through like the whole synopsis of the whole the whole issue, or yeah, just just give us a quick rundown of what happened? Just a couple of couple of the story beats. Basically, um, Eddie, after some shenanigans, Eddie gets uh, he gets thrown some questions that like they cut pretty deep, and it like shows what sort of relationship he's had with his symbiote for decades now, and it's very revealing. Um, 
and just how little he actually cared about the symbiote, like another living being. So, yeah, uh, I'm very interested to see like where that goes. Yeah, and that there have been on Earth other symbiotes. That too. That was also a pretty big bombshell, but like, it's also not surprising considering how many other symbiotes are already running around on Earth at the time at at this given moment. Right. Though to be fair, most of the symbiotes that have been on Earth have been offspring of Venom. Um, True. But in more recent, and when uh, Brian Michael Bendis was doing Guardians of the Galaxy, there was the whole thing where they finally go to the symbiote planet. We're saying the, 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 we... the Clintar homeworld. Clintar, and I think they even use the word Clintar in this. And this actually, Donny Cates, the writer of the new Venom series, just to be clear, this is Venom number one by Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Mm. Um, even references recent events like Flash Thompson being Venom, yeah, uh, the Clintar, stuff like that. Um, but it's true that this is a great use of Eddie, who, despite all the more recent developments, he just recently. Re- rebonded with the Venom symbiote, and he and even before then really had zero interest in fig- like learning more about the origins. Yeah, which symbiote. really just it, it's kind of baffling, like how you'd go that long without act like you're bonded with another sentient being, and like you're hearing its thoughts and emotions and all that stuff, and you don't have the the mental capacity to be like, hey, what's your name? <laughs> Well, I think I think the fact that it always it refers to we, you know, it talks kind of in this like we are one thing, you know, it tries okay. to it tries to bond to you like you're you know, you are the host. It is the symbiote uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, I mean, for, I, I get that. Like, yeah, for decades, you'd probably like get curious. But, you know, it's comic book characters. They don't think about these things until someone makes them. Uh, right, and we're saying decades because Venom's been around for decades, but in comic book times, he's maybe been around for like six to seven years. And mm, in, in, oh, right. in terms of if, if, the, if the Marvel sliding time scale is like 10 to 13 years, how far into his history did he show up? Like, Not yeah. to mention since the, the Marvel Universe got rebooted post-Secret uh, Wars too. So yeah, even though it got not exactly rebooted, sure. But, Timeline's still more or less the same. Like Peter Parker was Spider-Man at 15, and he's like maybe in his late 20s or early 30s now. now so it's been like 10 or 15 years. Here's one thing that I thought was rude is the guy was like, have you ever asked your symbiote what its name was? And then Eddie Brock doesn't do that. Yeah. We, right. don't, we don't. Like immediate, like the like the next page should have been like him being like, Yo, holy dude. crap, like what's, what is your name? Like how old are you? Like I... I should ask, like I should be asking you these things, and then so, he just he just ignores the symbiote and and does other stuff. Our name is Ronald. <laughs> right, and that's the other thing where whatever the name of the symbiote is, it's probably something that's not necessarily intelligible to human uh, human understanding, or at least English right. understanding. I think another thing to keep in mind with Venom as a character is that he. Especially with the Eddie Brock one, I think it was actually established what Flash Thompson was Venom was that while Eddie was Venom, the the Venom symbiote was damaged because there was this whole thing when Venom when Flash Thompson goes to the Clintar world that like the Venom symbiote had been corrupted somehow and then this, this yeah this whole thing where they purified yeah, they, it they went over the whole thing of how like his Eddie symbiote had already gone through a couple different hosts before it got to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of uh, course, the relationship with Peter Parker damaged him. So I think there's an, there's an element where 
And I think this book is is playing with it in this first issue and maybe hinting at a larger story about it, that even though that, that Eddie and the symbiote actually have an unhealthy relationship. And you could even say, like, you're asking, why didn't he ask his name after the person said, like, do you even know your symbiote's name? It's the fact that they have this unhealthy bond, like they're codependent on each other. But really, if you, know, if you think of the symbiote as like a, even a romantic relationship, like they're, they bring out the worst in each other. You know, yeah. back when when Venom first appeared, it was he felt spurned and uh, by Spider-Man because he thought Spider-Man destroyed his life. The symbiote felt betrayed because Peter rejected him. And they both had this mutual bonding that kind of made them into this vicious monster. And even though they mellowed out, there's definitely still a lot of psychological damage going on with both of them. Well, well, the symbiote is really the symbiote's like just that hurt girlfriend that Spider-Man rejected, and. Uh... And, you know, the symbiote's like, well, fine. If you don't want me, I'll go to Eddie Brock and we'll murder you together. <laughs> we'll murder you together. There's no justice for the symbiote. <laughs> the history of the Venom symbiote, it, it actually goes, like, pretty pretty far back, like, even before uh, Peter Parker. Apparently, right. it, like, it, it, like I said, it had gone through a couple, sim- a couple other hosts, but, like, in because it went through a couple different hosts meant that it had been already rejected by a couple hosts. And in doing so it like freaked out and apparently like committed mass murders using its blast host and ended up in, in essentially space prison where uh, the beyonder ended up taking the, the chunk of a planet where that prison was and made it part of battle world. And that's where Peter Parker got the symbiote. It was, he thought it was a costume repair thing, but it was actually like a prison cell thing that he opened up, and that was a symbiote. Some really so, shitty security. <laughs> he just went yeah, over and pressed the button. Pretty so, much. Obviously, that when they established this past history of the symbiote, when they were originally writing the original Secret Wars, they had no idea. Oh no! It was going to go Hell this no! Way. But it, it's fun to see how they try to connect all the pieces to build this profile of, of the symbiote. It is um, pretty interesting considering the fact that like the symbiote came from a whole comic series created simply to make, to sell action figures that never were made it to shelves in the first place. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know, some great things came from the, the desire to create action figures like the transformers. Very true. Um, but one thing in the venom comic that they're establishing, uh, that they established early on was that the, not, it, does, it seems like not just Venom, but symbiotes in general have had a longer history on Earth. Yeah. Um, there was, there's some, like, back in the medieval times that they there was... Oh, no, it was, it was, it was, it was the Norse, like, Norse mythology, or Norse, uh, like, uh, what would that time be called, actually? I'm not sure. I'm not a big history buff. Uh, but, like, the, like, 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 the Viking Nordic times. Vikings? Yeah, Nordic Viking times. Yeah, um, the time of no justice. There's like a more I, I the term isn't politically correct, but it's more accurate. Um, I forget the actual term for that time though. Uh, the God of War four time, something like that. <laughs> yes, the the, the the boy time. The boy Kratos, time. Kratos with the Venom symbiote. Go. Whoa. Well, okay, that now. Dang, I'm so mad Whoa. at you. I'm not gonna get that because that's all I want in life right Whoa. now. Whoa. I want that. So, so yeah, so that that's the thing that we'll just have to live in our fantasies. So what do we think? Do we think so? So I think from the opening image that shows um, the, the 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 Viking guys being attacked by some kind of symbiote, 
It's the same symbiote that I think is possessing Venom when he goes a little AWOL attacking Jack-O-Lantern. Uh, and it's also the same one that takes over the symbiotes that the uh, soldier guy. The Clintar um, God. Not, do we think it's a Clintar God? Is, is that's, what the, that, that's what the... Oh, right. It's just, they're saying... Oh, you're, you're right. They're saying right. He God, says, God, he God says, is coming. God, God is coming. Yeah. So, I mean, being that, like, in the Marvel Universe, like, on Earth, they have, like, you know, the representations of different godlike beings. Uh, and I know they've also established that, like, Skrulls have gods and the Shi'ar have gods. So the idea that symbiotes have their own set of gods, or at least one god, uh, is a pretty but, interesting concept. In but let us never forget, forget, let us never forget that God exists within the Marvel Universe, and it is Stan Lee... And when the thing was no longer the thing, he turned the thing back into the thing by drawing him as the thing. That was Jack Kirby, not Stanley. Was it? I thought it was Stanley. Was it no, Jack, Jack Kirby? Kirby. There's Either. been a couple of times in Fantastic Four history where they've interacted with Heaven, and it's been Jack Kirby as e- the one above all, I believe. Either way, I'm really, I'm really hoping that they make Stanley the one above all in the MCU. I mean, I mean, I don't think they're going to attack get that far to tackle that, and they've already kind of established him as this weird oh, interloper. That it would be really cool, though. That's if how it they just turned out that he was like that. He was like the most powerful being in the MCU universe. I mean, that's what, how like, they, that's how they're going to on that's how they're going to undo the ending of Infinity War without saying too much. They're gonna be like, we have to go to the one above all. Yeah. It's like it's like the end of Matrix Two they're where gonna, they, they talk to the guy the white the guy in the white room. The architect. Except it's gonna That's be Tony the... Stark and Stan Lee. It's gonna be like Ant Man showing up and it's gonna be it's gonna be Ant Man and Spider Man and they're gonna be like, Oh oh man, old old man, like all our friends are dead, help us and he's just gonna say, Excelsior and then and then he'll do something s- do the thing and everybody's gonna be back back to life muttering the, the ancient the word he will turn into the wizard excelsior yes he, and he will summon the fantastic four and the x-men into the universe stop, stop saying stop saying things yes. stop saying things that anger me <laughs> I, I knew that would piss off david yeah. why i said it, which is unfortunate because which, that makes me sound like an asshole the website that we will not name i saw a story on there that was like a scarlet witch movie would be the perfect way to bring the, the uh, mutants into the MCU, and I was like, eject, eject, get me out of here, help. <laughs> How do we bring? I mean, they already have Inhumans. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that was a great idea. Oh, by the way, let's do check. Let's check if Inhumans know? has been canceled yet. This is a, a thing that we've been doing on the show fairly regularly. I mean, they do. They still. They're still doing that thing in in uh, uh, Agents of Shield, aren't they? It yeah, had, it's but, had its own TV but... show. And the Inhumans uh, TV show is it's been stuck in limbo, even though it's probably all but canceled. It has not been renewed for a second season. So, like it's official, or they just haven't made an announcement. It, it has not been renewed, so is- I, I mean, this far in, it means that it's dead. They're just not officially saying that it's canceled. It seems like yeah, as far back as January twenty second of this year, ABC has has yet to cancel Marvel's Inhumans. I mean, but up up to right around. now, it has not been canceled. Anyway, uh, Venom Numero Uno. I mean, I think I think both books this week we were both fans of, or we were all yeah, all fans of both books. Yeah, everybody had a good time. Yeah, yeah. I would say overall, I feel like Eddie Brock's still a character that I don't have the greatest handle on beyond like how we started in the beginning but 
Uh, I don't find Eddie very compelling, but I find the uh, dynamic that the the dynamic potential between Eddie and the symbiote. Um, I I actually just realized something uh, with this book. Uh, I forget the old man's name. The guy who like throws down the 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 deep questions on Eddie. I don't think they name him. Yeah, they never. I don't even remember. But either way, he is Eddie's Ezekiel. From uh, JMS's run, from, Spider- from Spider-Man, in the sense because Ezekiel uh, did the old. same exact thing. He drops yeah. it on Peter's life, and it's just like Do you even know the name of the spider that bit you. Stuff. Hmm. Do you even know the name of the spider that bit you? Yeah. So it, yeah, something like that. That's that's actually a good point you bring up. He is effectively fulfilling a similar role as Ezekiel in terms of enlightening the main character. The things beyond his understanding he just like um, he just like drops and he's like you peon you idiot what do you think you're doing here's oh, some knowledge Use and it. He, do, he does get a name it is rex strickland rex is, strickland that which was is it. such a such a guy that in the military name which he is rex in strickland. It's, it's very much a attorney theory. at law rex no justice <laughs> All right. Well, I think unless anybody has any other thoughts they want to throw out about Venom, I think that is a good place for us to conclude our ideas. Really, at this time, I you know we don't have time for recommendations. I know Nick finally had one; he was all ready to go with. Uh, yeah, I, I, just... I. But why I, would anybody listen to his recommendations? Right. I mean, so. they, there's never one to listen to. To be fair. Yeah. So instead, I can recommend things. Well, uh, sure, Ben, you're, you're on the show. Why don't you go ahead and throw a recommendation out to our listeners? Um, I'll recommend Scarlet Spider because uh, I like Scarlet Spider, but it's honestly not the best book. I just like Scarlet Spider, but I will also recommend Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, which is an all excellent book, and that has been throwing down some pretty big stuff as well. Sweet. Um. Don't get too spoilery because David has yet to catch up on I'm it. I'm pretty Yeah, I won't, I won't spoil we, anything. We worship Chip Zdarsky on this show. Basically, yes, it's do. doing the job. It's it's This Spider-Man book is doing the hard work of like progressing the character in ways that other books have like refused to do for a while. So I'm happy about this cool. book. Well, I think that's going to do it for us on the show. Ben, do you have anywhere people can find you? Do you have like a Twitter account or anything if people want to follow and hear the things you have to say to the world? Uh, no. I actually pretty much have pulled off of most social media just recently. Well, um, then you are a ghost. So, so you yeah. can find him on the bottom of a ditch. Yeah, that's pretty much the best place to find me is, is the bottom of a ditch. Cool. All right. Well, this has been the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Of course, you can find out more about the show by heading to heckyeahcomics.com. You can also send us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. You can find me around the internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. I'm also on the Brokebot Mountain and the Movie Go Round podcasts. You can find those by Googling them. Uh, please leave our show a five-star rating on whatever site you use. And, of course, you can find Nick dead in the bottom of a ditch and you can find the show here next week same heck yeah time same heck yeah channel until then goodbye
Worst episode ever.